This is The World in Brief from The Economist. Our top stories. World leaders gathered at Westminster Abbey for the funeral of Elizabeth II. Around 500 foreign dignitaries, including Joe Biden and Emmanuel Macron, attended the service in London, which draws to a close 10 days of national mourning. Elizabeth II's official lying in state, which saw some 750,000 people shuffle past the late monarch's coffin, concluded early on Monday morning. Volodymyr Zelensky, Ukraine's president, vowed there would be no lull after his country's recent success in regaining territory lost to Russia. He said Ukrainian forces are preparing for the next sequence. Over the weekend, they struck several Russian military strongholds in southern Ukraine. Britain's defence ministry estimated that Russia has lost four jet fighters in the past 10 days. Admiral Sir Tony Radakin, the chief of the defence staff, judged Vladimir Putin, Russia's president, to be failing on all of his military strategic objectives. Volkswagen, a German carmaker, said it hopes to raise 9.4 billion euros, equivalent to 9.4 billion dollars, when it floats Porsche, the sports car company it owns, on September 29th. The valuation, at 75 billion euros, is lower than its initial estimates, but would still make it Germany's second-largest IPO, after Deutsche Telekoms in 1996. Volkswagen said it will use the proceeds to finance its electric vehicle transition. Joe Biden told a television interviewer once again that America would defend Taiwan if it were attacked by China. Later, the White House clarified that its official policy on Taiwan remains one of strategic ambiguity. China's foreign ministry said it deplores and firmly opposes the comments. Mr Biden has annoyed China this way at least three times already. If the first was a flub, the fourth cannot be. Greenpeace and other environmental groups said they will sue the European Commission unless it revokes the fake green status it has awarded to gas-fired and nuclear power stations. The EU's rules allow investments in such plants to be categorised as climate-friendly. Last week, the European Parliament had angered climate activists by preserving woods designation as a source of renewable energy. At least 94 people were killed in last week's clashes along the contested border between Kyrgyzstan and Tajikistan, according to officials from both countries. A ceasefire between the former Soviet republics was brokered on Friday, but there have been claims of shelling since. Vladimir Putin, Russia's president, spoke to leaders from both countries on Sunday and called for a peaceful solution. The entire island of Puerto Rico lost power after being hit by Hurricane Fiona, according to its governor, Pedro Pierluisi. Joe Biden allowed the immediate release of federal resources for relief efforts, which were botched after Hurricane Maria in 2017. Meanwhile, in Japan, thousands of people on Kyushu were urged to leave their homes as Typhoon Nanmadol made landfall. The storm threatens 500 millimetres of rainfall. And fact of the day, 99%. The share of Kenyan migrant workers abused in the Gulf, according to a poll. And now, here's a deeper look at the day ahead. Queen Elizabeth II is laid to rest. On Monday, just before 11am, the coffin of Queen Elizabeth II will be carried into Westminster Abbey 
where she was crowned almost seventy years ago. A lady-in-waiting suggested to her, just before she went into her coronation, that she must be nervous. Yes, Elizabeth replied, and added, referring to a horse that she had running in a race four days later, I really do think Aureole will win. In the intervening decades, it was less for her humor than her solemn devotion to duty that she would become known. She crossed the world, smiling, waving, and working. She swore in her final prime minister, her 15th, just two days before she died. Now people are coming to her. Thousands queued to see her coffin and on Monday world leaders, including Joe Biden, will converge in London to see her funeral and the close of the Elizabethan era. Republicans struggle to self-define. On Monday, Kevin McCarthy, the Republican leader in the House of Representatives, is set to unveil his party's commitment to America, consciously modeled after the contract with America, a prospectus of what Republicans would do if they won the House in 1994, which helped them win back control of Congress in midterm election. Mr. McCarthy similarly aims to pinpoint what Republicans stand for. But the party has shown little interest in sketching a policy agenda. Mitch McConnell, the Republican leader in the Senate, believes such documents are counterproductive and will not weigh in. Rick Scott, a senator from Florida, has pitched a plan under which all federal legislation would expire after five years unless explicitly reauthorized. Lindsey Graham of South Carolina befuddled many last week when he pitched a nationwide abortion limit at 15 weeks, which would be stricter than in many blue states. Expect more policy incoherence. Japan's Naughty Celebration of Longevity On Monday, Japan celebrates its Kiero no Hi, or Respect for the Aged Day, a public holiday. While COVID has halted annual events and gatherings for a third consecutive year, Japanese still market by sending gifts to grandparents, a boon for e-commerce firms. But the celebration of Japan's longevity is also a reminder of the country's deepening demographic woes. Recently published statistics show the number of people aged 65 and over in Tokyo, the capital, reached a record level this year. Across the whole of Japan, their share is around 30%. In April, the country dropped its legal age for adulthood from 20 to 18, creating roughly 2 million new adults overnight. Japanese seniors appear increasingly ambivalent about the holiday. Many who are active and working distance themselves from the event. Some take offense to being called old. As much as filial piety matters in Japan, Kiero no Hi may need a rejuvenation. The Global Fund Replenishes Its Coffers The Global Fund, founded in 2002 by governments and businesses with the purpose of fighting AIDS, malaria, and tuberculosis, holds its so-called replenishment meeting in New York on Monday. It wants to raise $18 billion to spend over the next three years in order to save 20 million lives. The fund's track record suggests it would use that money wisely. Its officials claim to have prevented 50 million deaths between 2002 and 2021. Last year, the fund helped put 23.3 million people on antiretroviral HIV drugs, 
treat 5.3 million people for tuberculosis and distribute 133.2 million mosquito nets. But COVID has proved a setback. Key metrics for all three diseases worsened in 2020, including the percentage of people treated for TB, which fell from 69% to 57%. Deaths from the infection rose for the first time in a decade. The successful alliance of governments and the private sector will need to continue rising to the challenge. Stop the sun, refreeze the poles. Stratospheric aerosol injections may sound like a wacky way to wind back climate change. A fleet of aircraft pump fine dust into the upper atmosphere until it sheaths the entire planet, reflecting sunlight and cooling the Earth. But when limited to polar regions, which are warming at a faster pace than the rest of the world, SAI begins to look less far-fetched. A new study published in Environmental Research Communications, a journal, finds that SAI could be deployed to refreeze the poles. Microscopic aerosol particles would be released at latitudes of 60 degrees north and south and drift poleward to shade the ice. This, say the modelers, would cool the Arctic and Antarctica by 2 degrees Celsius per year, which would slow the pace of sea level rise. But the method also has its drawbacks. Considerable extra carbon emitted by roughly 125 tanker aircraft and an estimated cost of $11 billion a year. Daily Quiz Our baristas will serve you a new question each day this week. On Friday, your challenge is to give us all five answers and, as important, tell us the connecting theme. Email your responses and include mention of your home city and country by 1700 BST on Friday to quizespresso at economist.com. We'll pick randomly from those with the right answers and crown one winner per continent on Saturday. Monday, Atlas, Luna, and Madagascan Sunset are all types of what creature? Finally, here's the quote of the day from Mika Voltari, who was born on this day in 1908. Life is a hot day. Perhaps death is a cool night. That's The World in Brief from The Economist, available three times every day of the week. You can also hear interviews and analysis from our journalists, including our current affairs podcast, The Intelligence, on your podcast app. And subscribers to The Economist have access to each week's full edition in audio. Just download The Economist app to start listening.